When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken here back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. This week, we have Diane Hopkins, who is the CEO of Xpeers Consulting and the author of a number of books. We're going to be talking about two of them, a book, that, and this is the way we met, Unleashing the Chief Moment Officers. Great concept. You're going to want to hear about that. And her most recent book, It's Hard to Be Easy, which ties into my whole concept of the frictionless experience. Before we get into the interview, a couple of quick announcements. You know what they are. If you've listened to the show, if you've got an amazing customer service story or a question, please reach out to me on any of the social media channels. You can find me just about everywhere, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'm pretty much everywhere. If it is a question, use the hashtag AskShep. I'll either answer the question right there. I'll answer it in my newsletter. I'll answer it on this podcast or perhaps my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home. That can be found on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Prime, and you can get episodes at BeAmazing.tv. That's BeAmazing.tv. All right, time to get into our interview. Diane, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Shep. Well, I'm excited. And and here is how you and I met. I wrote an article recently about the CEO of the moment, which is about the awesome responsibility that anybody on the front line has when they're uh, interacting with a customer or in your case, a patient. We'll talk a little bit more about that. I know you do a whole lot of work in the healthcare industry, uh, but it could be anything, customer, patient, client, guest, resident, whatever you want to call them. But when you're interacting at that moment, you have this great responsibility that if you've been empowered and they're asking you a question or they need help, that you get to handle it for them in such a way that would make them want to say uh, the title of my last book, I'll be back <laughs> because they love the way you managed it. So when you read that article, you reached out to me and said, hey, I wrote a book too. And that book is called Unleashing the Chief Moment Officers, which is actually uh, great minds think alike, very parallel in what we're talking about. So let's chat a little bit about that book, which just came out a few years ago, Unleashing the Chief Moment Officers. Yeah, that was a uh, a term that I used a few years ago when I for a healthcare client or a team that kind of summarized for people who have advanced degrees, you know, physicians, nurses, uh, master's level uh, psychologists, and and the like, all the way to the people who were right out of high school uh, cleaning the rooms and delivering the food, and so I needed them all to feel like they could understand you know, what the direction was. And so the chief moment officer, first of all, got people's attention. Second of all, got them to ask more questions. And then we were able to align the roles at all levels under that umbrella. Yeah. What I love is that if we do this right, we hire good people, we train them to do what they're supposed to do. And if we do this right, we empower them to make 
good decisions for not only the customer, the patient, the guest, whatever, but also our company. And they got to know where they can go, how far they can go. There's a line in the sand they can't cross. Uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 And I love it when people get right up to that line in the sand and they know they're not supposed to go any further. And then they take care of the customer. Then they happen to go back to their boss and say, hey, this is what I did today. And then the boss, manager, leader, supervisor, whomever in the group setting says, hey, everybody, let me tell you what Diane did yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I want to use this as a great example of what we're allowed to do. Now, if you do cross the line, it's, hey, let me give you an example of what Diane did. And let's talk about how we could make this better next time and, and, and improve on that experience. Diane, I appreciate you, you know, being, uh, you know, thinking the way you think and taking care of the customer. Uh, True story. And I, I want this to be more about you than me. I've, I've only mentioned this maybe one other time than the actual interview, but the first president and co-founder of the Ritz-Carlton Horse Shoals uh, was on the show. And we talked about how they empower people in the hotel to give away up to $2,000 to manage a moment of misery. That's what I call a complaint problem. In other words, they're empowered to do something like that. Um, I talk about how one day somebody left towels on the floor, dirty towels from the guest in front of me. Uh, I called downstairs. I said, hey, if I, when I'm leaving in a little while for dinner, if you can have housekeeping come up, get rid of those towels. They're not mine. I just want to let you know. And the person left a short little note apologizing and a little chocolate that probably costs about 60 cents. Mm-hmm. They're empowered to give away $2,000. They know this was a, this was a 60 cent <laughs> recovery type yeah. of thing. And you can contrast that. And I said, has, has it ever been abused? And he said, well, one day uh, uh, a guest left a laptop computer in the room and then got on a plane. They were in California and flew to Hawaii. They called. Housekeeping went up, got the computer. And this housekeeper took it upon themselves because it was so important that this guy get his laptop back rather than ship it and get it to them the next day. She got on a an airplane, flew it down there. And then uh, gave it to him at the airport on, you know, like five, six hours later, and maybe a little bit more than that. And the guest was ecstatic. She came back. She got reimbursed, of course. Mm -hmm. And then they said, well, we had to talk to her because there's probably a less expensive, better way to get that done. But the fact that she had that kind of mindset is what it's all about. And you can't criticize and punish somebody for trying like that. You've got to teach them, mentor them and coach them and use it as a great learning example for everybody to learn and make them feel good about what happened. And and that's what this book's all about, right? Yes. Yeah. I all, I, some of my observations in mixing my marketing background and my customer experience background and how important it is for those two to be aligned, because why spend all this money on advertising and representing the company that we are, uh, you know, saying this is what we stand for when they interact with you and that's not what they, they experience. And so some of my observations in that process were that certainly, again, if we look at healthcare, just as an example, many of the frontline staff didn't feel important, didn't feel their vision or their insights mattered, didn't feel like leadership or the more highly trained um, team members uh, thought what they had to contribute was as important. So by number one, you and I both agree about the importance of training. These um, aligned behaviors don't just happen. They are must be consistent, enjoyable, um, enthusiasm building training 
uh, most of all memorable, uh, that makes a difference and starts to move from what I would call score chasing, let's meet this satisfaction number, to culture strengthening. And so the chief moment officers, uh, which is something that a training I developed that at the end, whether it's frontline leadership or whatever, people are actually certified as chief moment officers. Uh, that very much shows that we believe that those at the front line, whether that be a valet parker, a nurse, a doctor, uh, someone at the cashier's desk, wherever, that they know things we don't know in the boardroom, they see things we don't see in the boardroom. And how stupid can a company be not to leverage those insights that they have over time or that are fresh from today? So this idea of preparing the culture so that we're all headed in the same direction that the frontline people uh, that you know are in front of the customer or on the website or in person every moment that they know how to what I call create masterpiece moments and the training that I develop leads them to understand number one how important their role is how important their insights are and then blesses them to an extent and certifies them as somebody that needs to do this all the time I love that so question for you uh, actually, it's two questions. Uh, number one, I know you train the people, but how do you make it easy for somebody on the front line, easy, comfortable, whatever, to share their thoughts and what they're learning on the front line? And how do you train leaders to ask for it and embrace it properly? So it's mm -hmm. kind of two. I, I think they merge together into one answer, but that's yeah. where my head's at right now. I'll start with the leaders. And when I look at a company and to see how mature they are or not with their customer centricity, I'll interview senior leaders about, you know, where, what's their vision around customer experience, patient experience. And if there's 16 vice presidents or so, I'll probably get 10 different answers. And some of those answers are nowhere near one another. So that's that crazy. Their, yeah. <laughs> it's like, there's just like all this, uh, lack of alignment for back. Right. You know. And if the senior leaders aren't aligned, what do you think is going to happen to the other 12,000 or 50,000 employees? So we have to start with what I call an, an aligned leader's voice, a leader's voice around the customer, around the consumer, so that we figure out, okay, what makes sense that they all, they all do share? And what are some of these outliers that need to get aligned? So we got to get that fixed first. Um, and number one, got to let them know how out of alignment they are. Some senior leaders take that well and others don't, but you got to work through that step. Once you've got that done and uh, you pretty much figure out where the desired uh, success location destination is, then we start to look at um, the training and a lot of the training for it to be memorable and for it to really stick with behaviors has to be storytelling as you can well know. And so letting them see stories that engage their heart and their head, especially in healthcare, there's a lot of heartfelt stories and, and life lives are at stake. Um, making sure there are lots of good stories that they can relate to, whether again, they just got out of high school as a cleaning person or they're a heart surgeon, uh, that helps them feel comfortable uh, we also do co-creation work, co-creation workshops with the front line and the leadership mixed together so they can start to get comfortable with the idea of trying new things or testing new things in a safe environment. 
Um, so that's kind of the beginning of it. And then, of course, as great stories come out of this, great masterpiece moments um, develop, we share those broadly and we celebrate those on an ongoing basis. Mm, excellent. Uh, uh, great. I think every company needs to be doing this, not just the healthcare industry that you focus on, but this is across the board with every organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I actually should have written this down because you said something that made me Oh, I know what it was. You're talking about all this out of alignment thing. A quick little story, and then we're going to take a break. Um, I was sitting in a boardroom. The CEO was there, the 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 president, the chief operating officers, chief marketing, all the C-suite people. And I didn't ask the C uh, the 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 most senior CEO. I asked somebody else, like the president, can you tell me what your vision is for customer experience? Or better yet, can you just recite what your vision statement is? And the, and the the guy looks at me and says, I can't believe you're going to ask me this in front of everybody. I said, I'm trying to make a point. You don't know it. Does anybody here know it? Then I looked at the CEO. Can you recite your vision statement? And he goes, I, I honestly, I can't recite it. I know what's in it. I go, then that's the problem. No one in your organization can do it either. Mm-hmm. So we talk about creating that one sentence vision, in this case of customer experience, patient experience, client experience, whatever you want to call it, and make it so easy. Back to the Ritz-Carlton example, Horst came up with this idea when he was in high school, where ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen, nine words that really create, and, and everybody can remember that, it's so easy. And then they train everybody to it. I, I, I mean, isn't that what it's all about? Make it simple. Yeah. Which, by the so way, we're going to talk about in the next half of our interview. Yeah. Too many companies have these, you know, consultants come in to give them a 12 step process that every employee should know. It's not how it works. It's got to be intuitive and it's got to be a hard head connection so that it becomes just the way we do business here. And that's the way it should be. Let's take a short break. When we come back, I want to talk about your latest book that's just recently been out in the last year or so. It's called It's Hard to Be Easy. And we got to make things simple, not just internally, but we need to definitely make it simple for the people on the outside of our organization to do business with us. Lots to talk about with Diane Hopkins. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, don't go away. We will be right back. Hi, Shep Hyken, your customer service and experience expert. And I'm excited to tell you about my new book, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again. Now, this book is packed with idea after idea on how to, just as the title implies, get your customers to come back. In the book, you'll learn that repeat customers aren't always loyal customers. Now, both are great, but there's a big difference. You'll also learn about 10 reasons a customer may stop doing business with you and three reasons you would stop doing business with them. And one of my favorite lessons is a six-step process for creating an I'll Be Back strategy. Of course, there's much, much more. You'll start getting more of your customers to say, I'll be back almost immediately. Just go to www.I'llBeBackBook.com. Again, that's www.I'llBeBackBook.com. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio. We are talking with Diane Hopkins, and she is the CEO of Xpeers Consulting, the author of the book we've been talking about, Unleashing the Chief Moment Officer, and several other books, but her most recent one, It's Hard to Be Easy. And I love this book because as we were talking about it 
prior to us starting the interview, I realized there's a lot of similarity between her book and once again, commonality and I mean, the CEO of the moment versus uh, the chief moment officer. Now we're talking about the convenience revolution, how to be frictionless and easier to do business with. So Diane, let's talk a little bit about this new book. I'm very excited about it. And by the way, uh, you have another book that's coming out after the first of the year at some yes. point. And, new book uh, that's not quite ready yet called Out Care the Competition. And mm -hmm. there's an exciting new care model that we're excited to share with uh, my co-author, uh, Emmanuel Richard. And, and by the way, Out Care the Competition, it isn't just caring for your patients, it's caring for your customers. Oh, this is for any All industry. types of businesses. But let's today, until, and by the way, we'll have you back and talk about that book. Great. <laughs> but Great. until, uh, uh, but right now we want to talk about it's hard to be easy because mm -hmm. you know what? It shouldn't be hard. I think the customer sees it as why is this company so hard to do business with? Why is it uh, just today? I promise, this is a true story. We get a call from somebody out of the clear blue. This is, we want to order a bunch of your books. We reached out to Amazon and they said it's the number of books they have. They don't, they don't have that many and it, and therefore they can back order. They don't know how soon they'll get it in. So then she went uh, from Amazon to another retailer, to another retailer, to another retailer. This is a book, by the way, that's been out for about 10 years or so. Hmm. So I can understand why they wouldn't have a huge amount. And this company wanted a nice big, went to place a nice big order. They wanted it now. Right. They landed on my website. Why they didn't come there first, I don't know, but they landed on it. They called us and uh, we were immediately able to place their order. But this is what she said. You know what? I love your website. It's so easy. Your phone number's on every single page. Mm -hmm. It was easy to reach you. Boom. Mm -hmm. It's it's not hard to be easy. <laughs> Oftentimes it's just common sense. Mm -hmm. Well, that was really kind of what pushed me to do this book. Uh, understanding I, every company does this. Every company at some point in their history or every day makes it difficult for a customer to become a customer or stay a customer. And I kept scratching my head when I would see these things. Why? Why does this happen? So I spent about a year and a half informally interviewing people, leaders, frontline people, and every kind of place I bumped into industry, healthcare, retail, insurance, whatever. And I just simply say, what do you think the reason is companies of any type, your company, any company you've bumped into, make it difficult for customers to be customers or stay customers? And by far, at least 70% of the time, I got an answer that pretty much said stupidity. So then I wanted to study stupidity. What the heck is stupidity? And, and I've got in the book some, some uh, exploration of what leads to stupid decisions and stupidity. Um, and these, you know, companies know that the customer pays the bill. Companies know that without customers, there ain't no company. And yet we forget to put any way for them to contact us. We make them redo things 10 million times in a year. We make promises we have no intention or ability to deliver on. And it goes on forever, the levels of, of, of friction that, we, that are offered. And so the book kind of starts out about why and then has people kind of examine. There's 10 exercises in there to do with teams to try to, you know, get some courage to look at yourself, to figure out where you're making it hard, why you're allowing it to be hard and what you can do about it. Love that. Love that. Oh, give us an example of an exercise or two that, that you can do oh, with your team. Um, well... 
one of the exercises is I give them some words that are, you know, about friction, you know, where things are repeated or things are missing. I, you know, give them a whole list. And then I encourage them to have a group, you know, diverse lenses at the table within a department or within a division and have them personally, individually circle the words that they know their company has a struggle with. And then what you do is you're, if you're leading the group or, you know, if I'm leading the group, we want to see how many of those 20 words come to the top, what rises to the top. It's, you know, it's an example of using the wisdom of the crowd uh, and not just the wisdom of the crowd to ideate. This is the wisdom of the crowd to have the courage to look at where you can do better. And so that's one off the top of my head that's, you know, very powerful. Um, and um, the other quick one is that, exercise that I encourage people to do the always and never exercise. Uh, make make it clear individually and then we'll share it in the group. What would we never ever want to hear a customer say? And then what would we always want to hear a customer say? And then as we start to share what different people have contributed, very quickly you'll see friction um, or customer sacrifice or customer suffering that comes up through that. And once we've got a handle on that, it's time to start building the solutions. Ah, that's great. You know, um, we do a similar exercise uh, with our training programs where we ask them to say, uh, create the ultimate testimonial about your business mm -hmm. and the way they do. And they, how many customers do you think would say that about you? Yeah. How can we make them make them in, in the form of giving them the experience that would want to compel them to use those words to describe us? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, if we say, what do you think our customers are saying to us about us? It's often different than what they actually do say, mm -hmm. which is kind of scary. You know, yeah. we think we do well and maybe we do, but the customer's perceptions really are the only ones that count. So this is great insight. And then, of course, what do we never want them to say about us? Mm -hmm. Ooh. You and know, when you do when you do this with the leadership as well as the front line, whatever your front line may be in terms of their training or their skills or whatever, you really can get to some honesty and, you know, Connecting the chief moment officer concept to the it's hard to be easy concept. Um, the I, I can't tell you what I've seen when I've worked with frontline um, people, especially in healthcare, whether they be in the food service or the environmental services, whatever they are, and they go through this training and at the end, they are told to be a chief moment. They are a chief moment officer. They are certified. They're given a card. They are told you can now put the letters CMO after your name. And I'll never forget about a 20 year old guy, new employee in the environmental services. After we went through the ceremony where they became chief moment officers, he raised his hand with a lot of energy. And I said, yes, what can I help you with? And he said, is this legit? And I said, is what legit? He said, can I put these letters after my name? And I said, we expect you to. You today have no excuses. Today, you have been through this. You know what we desire. You know what our customer's experience strategy is. And you know how important you are to that process. So we expect you to do. Well, this guy's entire attitude and affect changed because he never expected to have letters after his name. And uh, you could just see the change in him. And I've seen that over and over again. And uh, so part of that training is about friction, too. So this is how you empower people that maybe never even knew what they could bring to the table.
Yep. And what I love about it, CMO, they go, you're the chief marketing officer. No, I'm the chief. Anyway, by, by that, it's a almost conversation starter. We don't have a lot of time, but I, I, I think you shifted into something that I want to spend just a couple of minutes on. And that is culture by creating this, um, uh, what's the word credential, if you will, or certification and giving them the letters behind it, you kind of raise their self-esteem. You kind of raise their feeling of, of their importance and value to the company. Give us a couple of thoughts because I know culture is real important to you. A couple of thoughts on, on how you build that great culture. Well, first um, there's a little, little process that I use called what is, what if, what wows, what works. So first we have to start with what is. What is the current state? And in most companies, especially with diverse locations, uh, there might be 27 cultures within the company. Exactly. And you have to get your, you get <laughs> exactly. your handle you got to get your hands around that and look it in the face. So that's kind of figure that out first and then figure out how the views of the customer um, are different and how they can be aligned. Um, that's the what is. Then what if? Let's start stretching our thinking about what could it be? You know, what could we fix? What What's out of line? Um, do that with co-creation and with the front line. Um, what wows is let's push this further. Let's apply innovation techniques and innovation tools and um, sometimes uh, human risk factors and, and other Techn uh, techniques uh, to really push this further. And then um, what works is what can we afford, what's legal, you know, all those good things. So I kind of go through all of that. And in the process of that, you're going to see how mature or not the company customer culture is. And you'll be able to figure out who needs some boosting, who is a shining star that you, everybody should be learning from within the company. That's one thing companies tend not to do as much. They obviously have some division or some department that is exceeding customer expectations regularly and dependably. Um, so they should be teaching the rest of the company, not just looking outside for other examples. So that's kind of an example that we kind of look at what the current culture is and then get it to the point to refine it to what it should be. That, those are excellent. We'll go through those steps uh, in the show notes so, so that people can see that because I think that's a powerful way. Building the customer-focused culture, or the CCC, the customer, uh, you called it centric. Uh, Customer is customer that the word you use with centric? Okay, no, I was. I, I thought so. no, she didn't say customer centric culture. You maybe this, I said centered. I I can't remember, but it was. It doesn't matter. Triple C customer centric, yeah. customer centered, or, or or CFC customer focused culture doesn't matter. We've got to create a culture because what happens on the inside is felt on the outside uh, by your your true customers. Let's wrap it all up with my final question today, and that is: Is there one last? nugget of wisdom, and you have a lot of them. I am so excited to have met you and done this interview. I promise everybody she's coming back. If she'll have us, we'll have her. I'd be thrilled. <laughs> so give us that one last nugget of insight that you'd like to share with us today. Well, I guess what hits me um, is this whole idea of new employees, people you bring into your company, you know, on a weekly, daily basis, they can be bringing bad habits in with them. And your company culture, I've seen two examples of this. One, as your new employees come in, I've seen the leadership greet them by saying, do you know how lucky you are you got your job here? Do you know how lucky you are to have made it past all the other candidates to get a job here with us? Versus the other culture where they say, 
We are blessed that you chose us. Our company is so excited to have you. So think about your company and what kind of a culture on the new employee orientation, their first day, what message are you sending to them in terms of how lucky they are to get the job or how blessed the company is to have them? Very big difference. And then once that's looked at, I love the image of this story. It's in my book, The Unleashing the Chief Moment Officer. You really wanna make sure all your staff, new employees included, are doing, meaning that it's time to take off the bib and put on the apron. And so if we come to work wearing a bib, who's gonna make our life easier? And how am I, how, you know, how is, am I gonna be served to have a good day at work versus I'm putting the apron on and I'm here to serve, I'm here to help. That bib apron visual, I think is a great way to end. Wow, the strong, and you, you gave us more than just one nugget there. So thank you very much. <laughs> All right, everybody, that wraps it up. Another great interview today on Amazing Business Radio. Diane Hopkins, certified experience economy expert, by the way. We could have talked a lot about that, the experience economy, which, by the way, uh, Jim uh, Gilmore, yeah, uh, Joe Pine and Jim Gilmore. I always yeah. want to flip there. Jim and I are good friends, as I mentioned to you before, but that is my number one favorite business book of all time, The yeah. Experience Economy. I read it when it first came out, and I still today don't think there's been a better book to describe how we take a commodity and turn it into something that people pay a lot of money for because Absolutely. all business, all business is an economy. Anyway, the, the, the names of her books, and she has more than just the two we've talked about, Unleashing the Chief Moment Officer and the most recent book, It's Hard to Be Easy. I suggest you go right now. I do not pass, go or collect $200. <laughs> go to Amazon. Get these books. You'll be glad you did perfect reading for the holidays and you hit the new year with, you know, hit the ground running for a great year. Diane, thanks for being on our show today. Thanks for having me and have a great rest of your year. Oh, thank you. All right, everybody. Great interview today. And we will have another one next week. So until that time, this is Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.